You want everything that you need to know ahead of the New Orleans Saints first selection of the 2023 NFL Draft? Well, we got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome in to another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast so that you never miss the latest daily episodes for all you everydayers out there. And of course, I am your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Dola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert credential member of the media, senior writer and reporter for Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. You can find me Tuesdays on Locked on NFL and of course, here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends over at Ultimate Pro Football G. M. If you ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM or managing your own football franchise, this mobile app is for you. You can download the game over at ultimate-gm.com. And don't forget, you can use the promo code Locked On to get a 100% free boost to your franchise in the game store as well. I'll tell you more about them later, but on a today's episode, it's draft day. Let's calm down. Let's be just like Let's just chill and get you all the information that you need to know before the New Orleans Saints are on the clock eventually Thursday night at pick 29 or potentially earlier. We'll see what happens. The couple of things we're going to go through today, we're going to take a look at some trades potentially watch for. We'll focus on round one in this episode. We'll take a look as well as why positional need matters. We'll look back at some of the comments that Mickey Loomis made during his pre-draft presser, all that. But first, let's just ask the simple question. What will the New Orleans Saints do at pick 29? What will the New Orleans Saints do in round one? The true answer here is that nobody knows. Not even the New Orleans Saints know. But here's what I can tell you. The Saints are effectively ready to do basically anything but trading back. So I would look at the New Orleans Saints as either a team that's looking to potentially, let's say, bump up as opposed to jump up, right? If we, if we designate the two, I think bump up is something that's maybe within 10 picks. Jump up is something that's like, all right, we're getting into the teens. You know what I mean? And they're jumping all the way up and they're you know, calling out the Green Bay Packers. Can I interest you in next year's first round pick? All those things. Sorry for the trauma there, y'all. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But I think that the Saints are a little bit more in the business of bumping up more than jumping up in this year's draft. But there were a couple of things that indicated that the Saints could be very interested in trading up, but might not be very interested in trading back during Mickey Loomis's press conference. The first of which is that, um, you know, a good friend of mine and colleague over at CrescentCitySports.com, Les East, started off a question by saying, Mickey, you've got eight picks going into this year's draft. And Mickey Loomis stopped him and said, well, right now we've got eight picks. So that feels very much like a, we probably won't use all eight of those picks. We'll see how things go. He also mentioned Mickey very comfortably that He was going to start having those sort of precursor conversations with teams to start working out the parameters of deals last night, Thursday night, or excuse me, Wednesday night before the draft. So what I mean by that is that, and you can see this in a couple of different things. There's this great video of the 
Minnesota Vikings last year and Kwesi Adofa Menza, their general manager, getting on the phone, calling up the Detroit Lions and basically agreeing to a previously negotiated deal. He said, all right, our guys on the board, the board fell the way that we wanted to. Let's take the Lions trade, insinuating that there was, that there were multiple trades already potentially on the board. Let's take the Lions trade. He calls up the Lions general manager and says, hey, we're ready to work out that deal. Like we're ready to take your deal or whatever. So like those things were kind of previously negotiated. And it sounded like for for Mickey Loomis and the New Orleans Saints, those conversations started on Wednesday. And a lot of the sort of hypotheticals that came out of that sounded very much like them looking at opportunities to potentially move up. Not to say that they would not move back, which Mickey Loomis is always very careful to say, uh, but that moving up seems more likely. The thing that makes me feel like moving down is still not much of a reality for the New Orleans Saints is the way that Mickey Loomis explained his philosophy around moving up or moving down. And one of the things that he explained when it came to moving down was that if you trust your board, if you really trust your board that you set out, and we'll discuss a little bit more about their board here in a moment too, um, that trading down is that you're effectively accepting that you're going to take a lesser player. You're going to take a player at a later time and therefore a player you're 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 accepting the idea of taking a player that is lesser than the player that you could take where you are. And that's just sort of his philosophy around it. And maybe that's the reason why we don't see the same trade back as much. So we know that trading up is certainly a possibility for them. We know that standing pat at 29 is obviously something they could do as well. A couple of years ago, they did exactly that with Cesar Ruiz. They did it again with uh, Peyton Turner. Uh, they did it with kind of did it last year with Trevor Penning. You know, they had traded to get the extra first round selection, but then they moved up again to make sure that they got Chris Olave and then they stood pat and drafted Trevor Penning where they were. So I, I think that that's still very much possibility where the Saints are comfortable waiting things out. And the reason why they're comfortable waiting things out is because, surprise, surprise, they have a system, they have a formula. This is what good organizations do. They have a reason for every decision that they make. They have, a, they have an answer to the why. According to Mickey Loomis, Jeff Ireland, who is, you know, uh, assistant general manager of college personnel while also being vice president, um, he has a formula that effectively says, if we pick here, then we need to have a cloud of this many players in order to make sure that one of those players is very likely on the board at the time that they select at 29 if they wait that long. Mickey used sort of the late, the, the loose comparison that if they're picking at 11, they don't necessarily have to have 11 players on their board in order for one of those players to be available when they're on the clock, that instead they can have nine. So if you take that, that's like 81%. If you take that same logic and then explain that, you know, and, 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 and break that out to 29 picks, that puts you around 23 picks. He didn't give us the exact number. We asked for it. Uh, Taryn Walk over at NOLA.com asked for it. Uh, Mickey said he didn't want to give us the number, but we could ask, you know, Jeff Ireland about it another time. So we will. But the formula, if it's nine of 11, then it would make sense to be 23 of 29. That's the same ratio. So if the Saints have 23 players on their board, they're pretty sure one of those 23 players in that cloud will be available to them at 29. So that's one of the reasons why they're so comfortable with just sitting back, standing pat, sticking and picking where they are. So will the Saints stick and pick or will they trade up are really the two things that you're looking for. What causes them to trade up? Well, Mickey Lima has answered that for us too. The reason why the Saints will trade up is if, if you have a list of, let's say, 23 players and you number them one through 23, if a player that's, let's say, like one through five is still available at the 24th selection and you pick at 29, 
it's probably worth moving up. So it's a little bit more, it's a little bit less about that list getting smaller than it is about who on that list, where do they, where do the saints have them ranked for their scheme, for their fit, all those other things. Where you know, is, is one of those players that's ranked very highly still on the board at a space that they believe that they are comfortable jumping up. So those are all the things that kind of roll through the minds along with you know, look, not even close to limited to that when it comes through the minds of what's going on in the war room. But I thought it'd be an interesting sort of insight to bring to you uh, around the why that the saints have and the answers to the whys that the saints have in terms of sticking and picking as well as trading up. I think if there's anything that's most likely, I'll probably roll with them trading up. I'd say it's a it's a better than 50% chance that they probably trade up to make sure that they get a guy that they like that's at the top of their board and falling down. They, you know, Mickey Loomis said that that formula that they have has never failed them before. So sticking and picking at 29 would not be a situation to where they feel like they would be settling. That would be a situation to where they are very comfortable because some group of those players is still on the board and they're going to have their pick at their pick. And so I think they could go that way. I do think that defensive line is going to be that selection. We asked Mickey Loomis the places where he thought that the draft was deepest. He said tight end cornerback and even quarterback. So I don't feel like going early for any of those three positions after acknowledging that those positions are that those classes are deep makes a ton of sense. But when we asked him about his thoughts in the defensive line group, he said, well, I don't want to give too much away and then didn't answer the question, which was interesting in comparison to discussing other position groups. So there's something to be given away in how he feels about the defensive line. So I think defensive line still might be the pick um, early. Let's just say early, maybe not necessarily in round one. It could be round two, it could be round three, but let's just say early within the first three days. But day one feels really, really likely. Um, names to watch: Clemson, de- uh, Clemson defensive linemen as a whole, uh, Miles Murphy, as well as um, uh, Brian Brzee, of course, whose name is picking up a lot of steam. Joe and Kyle over at the draft experts over at um, Lockdown NFL Scouting had him mocked to them. So even outside the city of New Orleans, that name is picking up a lot of steam. And then, of course, Mozzie Smith um, is a big name as well. And then there might be somebody like Isaiah Foskey or somebody that they fall in love with that they end up selecting. And that's where we get to our next conversation for today is why positional need matters. It's not as simple as, oh, they're really good at this position, so they take it off the board, but they need a lot of help at this position. So that's at the top of their board. But it does factor in quite a bit. Let's get to that as we continue on with today's episode of Locked On. Saints, put a Locked On podcast. Network your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Saints brought to you by our friends over at Ultimate Pro Football GM who are sponsoring all of the incredible draft coverage that we have for you here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Live hangouts, immediate reactions, live shows, all of that all across Locked On, all for the next three days. And it's all thanks to Ultimate Pro Football GM, the mobile app that allows you to be an NFL GM, manage your own football franchise, everything from the salary cap to training facilities, free agency, the draft, and even game-by-game situations, building your roster, your scheme, and getting the right players and coaches that fit that scheme as well. So, If you think you can do a better job than some of the NFL GMs that you have seen out there who think that draft day is an incredibly, um, you know, uh, accurate movie, then this app is absolutely for you. You can find it at ultimate-gm.com or look it up in your app store as well. Don't forget the promo code in all caps locked on so you can get a 100% free boost to your franchise in the game store. Once again, it's Ultimate Pro Football GM. Start your dynasty today. All 
right, family. Continuing on with today's episode of Locked On Saints. Appreciate all you everydayers out there, as always, for making this your first listen of the day. Don't forget tomorrow's episode, immediate reaction to the uh, to the New Orleans Saints draft selection. We'll probably drop late Thursday night right after the draft and after we do our pressers and all those other things with the players that are selected and then or player that is selected and then um, get all that started. So expect that Thursday night uh, slash Friday morning. If I can go live, I will as well. Uh, and then uh, don't forget, too, if you're looking for live coverage during the NFL draft, we have you covered here. Locked on NFL Scouting. You can head over to their YouTube page, Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, the draft dudes. They're leading it off, giving you all the information that you need to know uh, without all the weird trauma stuff that the other networks do. None of that. We're just going to bring you information and have a lot of fun. Uh, so go check that out over at Locked on NFL Scouting, along with a bunch of the other NFL experts here on the network. So why does position need matter? Where does it factor in? So we mentioned earlier that if the Saints are picking at 29, it's likely that their cloud of players is somewhere around 23 to 25 players, let's say. So how does positional need impact the New Orleans Saints? The first thing is that the Saints never get to a position or a place where they feel that they are good enough at a spot that they don't need to draft a player at that position. Um, I think there's probably an asterisk there. I, I think that there are certain things that do impact when you draft that player, though. Like you have a quarterback, so trading up for a quarterback in the top five is probably not realistic. So obviously, we're trying to keep all of these definitions within the terms of realism here. Uh, but you know, drafting one in the second, third round, maybe not so much, but maybe drafting one in rounds five, six, or seven is still very much on the board and building on a strength, as as Mickey Loomis would say. He brought us back to 2000 and. Oh, gosh. No, not 2000. Oh, goodness gracious. Anyway, he brought us back to a previous draft <laughs> in which they drafted Deuce McAllister when they had Ricky Williams on the roster. Uh, you can go back to 2017 when they drafted Alvin Kamara when they had both Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson on the roster. Um, you can go back further to where they've drafted wide receivers when their wide receiver position was strong, offensive linemen when their offensive line was strong, all these other things. Building on a strength is still something the New Orleans Saints would be likely and, and perfectly comfortable doing. Days of having Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchick didn't make them take tackle off the board, just to use the example that Mike Triplett used in his question to Mickey Loomis. So I thought that was a really interesting piece of insight. And the other thing that you get from that too is that positional need at, and, and value still does play a little bit of a role. He mentioned that you know tight end was deep and, and and tight end is a position to where you have an average of one taken in the first round and an average of one and a half taken in the second round. And he knew those numbers off the top of his head. So there's something there in terms of like the position impacting when you're willing to invest in it. Running back is a big part of that conversation these days. And in an NFL that A, doesn't want to draft running backs high, but then B, doesn't want to pay running backs either. So there's this really interesting sort of conundrum that comes with that. But the other way that positional need does matter is, and Mickey Loomis has talked about this several times before, but tiebreaker to where if you have that group of 23 players and you've got two left on your board at 29, and let's say that one of them is an offensive tackle and the other is an interior defensive lineman, and you have a bigger need at interior defensive line, that might break the tie depending upon the distance between those two players. Let's say they're you know 15 and 16 on your board. So you've got two players that are in the same general range of being higher than the players that you valued at that position already, but that are closely ranked to one another. Do you just go with the guy that's 15th, even if it's an offensive tackle and you're building on, on a strength, or do you go with the guy that's 16th that gives you a little bit, a lot of help at a position of need? You probably go with the guy at 16th, right? 
So there's a couple of different ways that positional value, positional need ends up impacting. The other thing is scheme fit, right? So you might have a player that you really like that you think is a really good player that the team will scout and say, okay, this player gets a second round grade, but doesn't fit their scheme, doesn't fit their metrics, doesn't fit their prototypes. And so they use what's called a 9-0 designation, as Mickey explained, that basically says this player is really, really good and we have a second round grade on him, but probably wouldn't draft him at the second round because it doesn't fit the scheme. But if he's available somehow in the fifth, fourth or fifth round, then maybe they'll go out and grab that player at that time, right? So it doesn't rule a player out to be a non-scheme fit, but it does drop sort of their round their round grade versus the like the graded round versus where the Saints are, are are willing to invest in them round wise. So that's sort of the things that you're looking at in terms of how positional need, positional value, and even fit at the position all kind of factor in to how NFL teams make their decisions. So if you see the Saints do something uncharacteristic, like draft you know a small edge rusher that comes in below the metrics, we talked about Al-Qudin Muhammad a ton as we were like kind of looking through all of the prototypes and things like that. He came in at 250-ish pounds and came in you know a little bit lighter than the Saints would usually go for at that spot where their average is about 264 pounds. He's about 10 pounds lighter than that. But they didn't draft him in the first, second, or third rounds. They drafted him much later in that draft. And so it gives you an idea of how the Saints can still kind of skirt, skirt the the prototypes a little bit, but still get guys that they feel like are good. And they grade them on a true scale in terms of what that player did at the at the previous level and how good that player was. That's where they grade them. And then they go, does that fit in this scheme? And then they'll make those designations off of that. So positional value absolutely matters. It doesn't put the Saints in a situation where they're willing to pull players off the board because they play a position where they feel like they're already strong. They will build on a strength. And also, they'll pay attention to the needs. Now, Mickey Loomis did say that he doesn't have, doesn't feel like there are musts on the roster and that instead there are would like to haves. I would kindly and very politely disagree. I think that there is a must in terms of interior defensive line. I think that there is a must in terms of edge rusher, uh, but that's me, right? So for, and look, the idea of there not being must, but there still being like would like to haves depending upon how much you would like to have that player, it might still feel very much like a must, right? But it becomes about the position or the player and the individual scouting of that player, how they fit in more than it is just about that person has DT next to their name on the team roster. I guess that's what I'm trying to express. So lots of good insight from Mickey Loomis in terms of how the potential, um, you know, how the board shakes out, what the board could potentially look like and all of that. And again, if the right player is there at the right time, like we were mentioning Brian Brzee, we were mentioning Miles Murphy, Mozzie Smith, I think Osiris Torrance has to be in that bunch, the guard out of Florida as a potential first round selection. I don't think we rule out any position for the Saints in the first round. There's been a lot of people that are like kind of tossing around this idea of Hendon Hooker at 29. I don't know that that's really going to be the case, but I think you're looking at a lot of different positions where the Saints could have the argument in favor of saying this is the first round selection. And depending upon how they followed it up with the second and third rounds and then their other picks and things like that, like it can change the complexion of what that first round pick does or does not look like. So next up, we'll take a look at if the Saints want to get aggressive in round one and potentially make a trade, who should they trade? Who should they be willing to trade for? And what might some of those trades look like? We got three for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Trust me, name one. I've tried every single one on the planet, all everywhere, not even just the American brands, every brand everywhere. And Built Bar is the best one that there is in the entire world. Argue with a wall. I don't care. They are awesome. And right now they have some incredible flavors that always come through with like limited quantity and all that too. So you don't ever want to get left behind. But if you're a fluffer nutter sandwich fan right now, their newest flavor, peanut butter, but it's also a puff bar. So it's a protein bar that's made with marshmallow. Yeah, they infuse marshmallows with protein bars. They're mad scientists over at Built. So make sure you go and check them out today. You can find everything you need over at Built.com or you can head over to your local Walmart and get a four box of assorted flavors over in the pharmacy section. They've got great flavors like churro and brownie batter as well over at Sam's Club in a 13 bar box. So make sure you go and check them out or head over to built.com today. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with a couple of trade proposals to watch for New Orleans. There's also a couple of players to watch for those trades, uh, you know, who could potentially be a trade up option for New Orleans. Let's quickly just go over positions of need to set this all up, though, because that kind of gives us all the information that we need in terms of what you're willing to give up who you're willing to move up for, things like that. Obviously, defensive tackle is up at the top. Um, offensive lineman in the interior, I think, is up there. Edge rusher is probably up there. Running back is up there, but I don't know that that factors into the first round. Uh, and then obviously, like if you can get a big-time playmaker in the first round at wide receiver or something like that, then obviously you want to kind of go that route as well. Now, again, the Saints are not going to be afraid to add on strength. And maybe if the right offensive tackle is there, you can make a case for that as well. Trevor Pinning, didn't really get to see the field very much his rookie year, bookended his season with different foot injuries. Ryan Ramchick has been dealing with injuries over the last little bit. So I don't think that offensive tackle is necessarily off the board for them either. And then slot safety slot, like nickel corner, I think is the other spot. So if you're ranking all those things for me, it's probably like defensive tackle, offensive guard, uh, or interior offensive lineman, whatever you want to call it, edge rusher. And then I'd probably go like running back. And then I would gather all the rest at the kind of the bottom of the list there, offensive tackle, because you might want some depth. Linebackers got to be in there too. So the Saints have a lot of different things that they can address over the course of the first round. I think probably linebacker, tight end, maybe even wide receiver, maybe even corner are kind of out of the first round, mostly based on positional value more than it is you know, relative to need or the team not needing. As we mentioned, that doesn't have a major impact. Uh, but they are in a position for guys like, you know, look, if somebody like, you know, Miles Murphy does fall far enough, if a guy like Tyree Wilson does all of a sudden fall far enough for some reason, if a guy like, you know, um, uh, Brian Brzee tumbles, Lucas Van Ness tumbles, then all of a sudden you have opportunities potentially move up there. Some of those guys too, like Brian Brzee could potentially be there at 29. Mozzie Smith could potentially be there at 29. Miles Murphy could potentially be there at 29 as well. But if you want to make sure because you have them ranked so highly on your list that you're willing to jump up, then obviously you could potentially do that. But I do think that like it's not limited to just the defensive line. I think that you know if Jackson Smith and Jigba were to fall into the 20s inexplicably, like we watched DK Metcalf tumble years ago, the Saints could potentially make that move and try to get ahead of the you know uh, the the Los Angeles Chargers at 21 or something who you know can use more help for Justin Herbert and all that. So here are, I told you I was going to have three. I lied. I've got four. A little bit of land yap, huh? I've got four trades that I think could potentially make sense for New Orleans. The compensation is all the same from New Orleans with the exception of like little adjustment. Um, the idea is that you're trying to get from 29 up to 20 something, right? That, that's kind of what you're looking at. So the biggest leap would be going from 
29 up to 20. I think that's where I'm going to start. I don't know that this is a team that's very interested in jumping into the teams. Mickey Loomis used a lot of you know phrases like bump up as opposed to jump up and things like that during the press conference. That could all be smokescreen stuff. That could all be whatever. But let's just let's just play with what we're given here. That rate or value, right, which just kind of adds as a, which just kind of acts as a, a a guiding light for these kind of trade proposals and in media talk and stuff like that. Um, the Seattle Seahawks twentieth overall selection on the Rich Hill value chart comes in at two hundred and sixty nine points. Pretty nice. The Saints. 29th overall selection comes in with 202 points. So the one pick from this year that you could add to that to make it a a quick trade would be pick 71, your third round selection. That carries a value of 68 points. So that gives you 270 for an exchange, 270 points to Seattle, 269 points back to New Orleans. New Orleans gets to take their guy at 20, get ahead of the Los Angeles Chargers. You'd probably need the same trade if you wanted to move to 21 with the Los Angeles Chargers, another team that the Saints just simply have an existing relationship with, right? Um, to where you could potentially find an opportunity to do that. Then you've got a couple of other trade partners at 23 and 24, the Jacksonville Jaguars at 24, the Minnesota Vikings at 23. Those picks are valued at 245 points for the 23 overall selection, 23rd overall selection, 237 points when it comes to the 24th overall selection with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So looking at what the Saints have available, there's a potential here of instead of having to move one, instead of having to move 29 as well as 71, you could move 29 and 116 and get close enough to the Jacksonville Jaguars trade. You might have to move 29, 115, and maybe 165 or something like that, or maybe one of the seventh round picks that you have in order to get up to Minnesota at two at 23, but there's a chance for you to do that as well. So imagine a trade like the Saints sending 29 and let's just say 115s, the Jacksonville Jaguars, to jump up to 24. Who do you do that for? Well, that's a situation to where maybe one of those guys that's highly ranked on the list ends up dropping. Imagine a Jackson Smith and Jigba inexplicably falling to that area. You know the Saints would be all over that. You think about two, you know, some of these other guys that could potentially tumble like a Lucas Van Ness. There's a like Lucas Van Ness's draft stock is so kind of unpredictable in terms of he could be a bottom of the first round guy. He could be a top 15 guy. He could be a top 12 guy for all that we know. So depending upon how the New Orleans Saints have him graded out and look, they love players that can move around on the defensive line. He can do that. He can play on the edge. He can play in the interior and he doesn't have a ton of wear and tear because he hasn't played an over, you know, ton of snaps or anything like that. I think you can make the same argument for Brian Brzee. I think you make the same argument for Miles Murphy. Um, I think Mozzie Smith's more of a stick and pick or a potential trade back target, uh, which again, uh, we we know probably isn't likely for New Orleans. So I think like as I continue to just look around and hover around and and try to figure out kind of like what are the New Orleans Saints thinking? Where are they thinking about going? And I look through big boards that have like corners and quarterbacks and tackles and stuff like that that are all up at the top. And, you know, what we know is that the Saints aren't going to just take those positions off the board, of course, as we as we discussed earlier. But it does seem less likely that they are going to be trying to jump up for any of those guys. But if a guy like Kalaja Kansi falls into, you know, the 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 high 20s or low 20s, is that a player that they rank so highly that isn't impacted by that sort of 9-0 designation that I assume he would get as a player that doesn't necessarily fit their metrics, their mold, their um, their prototype, right? And so maybe Kalaja Kansi is one of those guys that they have a first round grade on, but he gets that 9-0 designation because he doesn't necessarily 
hit the marks for them. But if he falls out of the first round, then maybe they'd be willing to come back to him or something like that. Kind of one of those fits. So I, I stick to my guns here when it comes to the New Orleans Saints in the first round of this year's draft. Clemson defensive lineman Miles Murphy, as well as Brian Brzee, have to be some musts or have to be some uh, you know easy guesses. Uh, Lucas Van Ness should be there, um, should be on that list. And then, you know, Mozzie Smith is an equally good stick and pick or trade back guy, you know, uh, although we know the latter is unlikely in terms of the trade back. So those are still my guesses, um, but those are some trades potentially watch out for why positional value does matter and what thoughts on what the New Orleans Saints could do at 29. Um, we'll be back here with you after the pick, after the game. Uh, and all that with a, a quick immediate or after the game, after the evening. So uh, after the pick, you'll get a quick immediate reaction from me, uh, along with one of our anchors here on Locked On. And then at the end of the draft and after, you know, the first day is over, we'll jump here on the show and and, and kind of go through it all. I, I might do the show from the Saints facility. I might come home first. We'll see uh, what I'm able to do. So um, we're here. It's draft day. I, I appreciate y'all as always for rocking with me and for being here for another episode of Locked On Saints for making us your first listen of the day, every day for all you everydayers out here. Let me know who you think the New Orleans Saints are going to be drafting in today's uh, first day of the NFL draft. And we'll be right back here with you tomorrow discussing the reality. What what does happen? What did they do? And what can they do next? We got it all for you as we continue on here throughout the week on Locked on Saints. Appreciate you as always making Locked on Saints a part of your day, a part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else, Around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N O L A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.